Welcome to Corestruction, a show about the activities, missions, and employees of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. I'm your host, Brandon Parrish. October 26th is National Day of the Deployed, and we thought it would be best if we highlighted a couple of our deployed people. Ron Goodion is the Deputy Chief of Council here at the Tulsa District, and Eddie Matiota is the Chief of Resource Management here at the Tulsa District. Both men are currently deployed to Kuwait. The following conversation occurred via Microsoft Teams. We apologize if there is any issues with the sound. Ron, I'm going to start with you. Um, can you tell us what your what your role is there in your current job title? Well, uh, I'm the district council for the ex- expeditionary district. Uh, the expeditionary district was established in May of this year. It was a combination of um, our retrograde out of Afghanistan that used to be called TAW, Transatlantic Afghanistan District, and the Task Force Atheon, which is uh, engineering support for arson. So TAD made a decision to retrograde and establish a new expeditionary district here and at Camp Erbachan in Kuwait in May of 2000, well, May of this year. And my job as a district council is like any district council. I handle all the legal issues for the district. I'm in a one-man deep position, so I don't get to give it to any other attorney. So any issue regarding contractual, fiscal, ethical, administrative command issues, um, I'm the primary point of contact and I handle all those issues. Oh, wow. And Eddie, what are you doing over there? So, hey, Brandon, so I'm a typical job I do back home as financial manager. For the uh, for the new district that that Ron just talked about, you know, being a being a new district, a lot of a lot of uniqueness and challenges standing up uh, an independent district into one. So, uh, you know, anything from budgeting, funding, uh, fiscal law, financial guidance, and then uh, basically the, the uh, advisor to the commander on financial matters to to keep him out of trouble. So, uh, but I'm a team of one in country with about a. Four or five other folks uh, working virtually on my team as well. Um, and now, Ron, back to you. Um, now, you deployed while serving on active duty with the Air Force, and and you were also um, uh, an attorney in the Air Force. What would you say is the biggest difference between deploying with the Corps of Engineers as a civilian uh, versus your time as an active duty member deployed? Uh, the mission, I think, would be the easy answer to give. I mean. When I was on working for the Air Force, um, deployed in 1999 here, excuse me, 2000 here in Kuwait, and then 2001 for Enduring Freedom, I had a lot of the military issues, military justice issues, contractual issues too, and um, all the other type of issues because I was the passage advocate when I was deployed. But those were military-related missions here. It's just a uh, um, what we do for the Corps is construction, construction management. So all those things are. Um, different that aspect of it, but I've been doing this type of work, construction management uh, for the Corps for the last 12 years. So I think um, quite easily to be able to do the same job. I would say the one thing I noticed the difference is that when I deployed in the past, um, it was very, uh, I would say, shoddy because a lot of times you just told to get on a plane and fly over here and, um, and you show up. Uh, this time around, as a civilian going through Kane, which is Camp Annaberry, Indiana, and how they basically prepare now the soldiers and the Air Force, uh, airmen, 
the Marines and more importantly, civilians for this uh, contingency environment was a lot better. You were really prepared before you got on the plane to come over here. So I think that's the major difference I've seen between the two deployments. But I think we have learned our experience after the last 30 years of deploying over here to say, oh, are that we finally getting it right? Eddie, uh, you, you deployed a lot with the district's power team. Um, I think you've been a mission manager before. So what would you say is the difference, the difference between this experience versus your, the emergency response deployments you've been on? Well, you know, with the, the, there is some differences, but there's also, you know, a lot of similarities too uh, in a, in a deployment. Uh, but in this one, it's, you know, all missions are important, but, you know, being the global war on terrorism mission, mission the GWAT, it's, it is the number one, the number one mission in USA. So uh, it's, you know, being part of that, it's a, it's a longstanding mission. It's been here, you know, over 20 years or so. Uh, but some of the similarity, you know, the differences too, I guess, would be the, the district structure, you know, on a power team, you're, you're out in unique positions and supported by uh, by others in the state, but here you're you're part of your own district and, and working more independently, uh, covering all functions and elements of a uh, of a district. So, uh, and then the customers you serve, you know, you're here under the CENTCOM AOR versus working for FEMA. Uh, but you know, a lot of those disasters we responded to on the civilian FEMA emergency side. Uh, you know, they're on the state side or somewhere in his territories here. You're, you're in the Middle East culture, man. So the culture, uh, adjusting to, to that is way different. Uh, and, and, and the biggest thing is adjusting to the time zone, uh, to people back home. So, uh, I still ain't used to it after five months and I don't think I ever get used to it, but, but it's all but been great so far. Those nine o'clock calls that you have to <laughs> what time is yeah. it over there right now? I imagine it's late in the day, right? It's five o'clock. Five o'clock. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I already asked you guys the, the third question I had originally sent you, but um, I kind of started off with that. But how how are you enjoying? Are you really enjoying the work, uh, Ron? I'll start with you, and then Eddie, I'll give you an opportunity to answer. Yes, I've, I've enjoyed the work. I mean, I've always enjoyed the work I've done on my deployments um, because I always try to have a positive outlook on what I can do. And more importantly, as I was discussing with other people, my job is to assist people to make the right choices and make the right decisions. So that's one of the aspects I get to do here. I advise and I re recommend certain courses of action, but ultimately my job is trying to make people better. So. Um, I've always tried to do that um, in all my professional career, and I still get to do it here. So as long as I'm able to do that, I definitely enjoy the work. And it is different. Um, the aspect of being a little bit separated and doing something different over here in Kuwait um, is also enjoyable. So expand your professional growth and it's a personal growth, too. So, yes, I've enjoyed my time here. Um, are you... Um... Are you dealing with any UCMJ issues too, or you, you're mostly doing like international law type stuff, Ron? No, no. Actually, I um, don't do any aspect of command um, um, work because everyone you say um, all the military people answered out of the military Washington mm -hmm. district. So if we had a military justice matter, 
I'm not able to do that since I'm not um, an SGA. Um, international, I do look at some agreements associated with that, but it's not really the forte because um, we're not um, approaching federal um, well, uh, foreign governments on that aspect of it. But what we're doing is um, someone is hiring us to basically build a building or construct something. And so therefore we're working with our partners, which typically involving CENTCOM or CENT or some other derivatives of that. So um, that aspect of it there, we don't get involved. So, but I, I need to be aware of those issues because it could have some implications about how we proceed with a contractual issue. But contracts, fiscal law, ethics, uh, administrative law issues, and there are command issues that come up too that uh, I deal with. Now, Eddie, you uh, are, are you finding that, I mean, in, fi in, in, in finance, in the finance area or the, or the uh, resource management area, uh, a lot of the a lot of the rules and regs, the rules and regs are, are the same, but the different pots of money you're dealing with are often different, correct? So is that is that different as far as like the funding? Yeah. So, yeah, Brandon, there's there's a, a lot of the basic fiscal law, you know, that we all learn is it still applies. But, you know, the sources of funding is is is, is very unique. You know, there's some direct congressional appropriations that, that allow us to spike global war on terrorism. There's some host nation contributions that we have to track and, and, and spend it in accordance with, you know, the, the regulations. Uh, and then, but, you know, a lot of the agreements that we set up with customers stays stay similar to how we do things, you know, in, in our normal back stateside business. So, uh, but there, there was a little bit of learning curve there. And, and, and some of the uniquenesses in the money, but uh, but they all come together at the end to, to form a functioning budget for the district. So, uh, but it's been challenging, but uh, very rewarding overall for me personally. Uh, missions changing all the time, so you just got to adapt and, and and adjust. Do do you feel like this experience, as far as your career is going, um, will add more breadth and and depth to what you know? Oh yeah, no, definitely. You know, you know, everyone back in their own district has their way of you know doing things. You know, skinning a cat, if you want to call it. But there's more than one way to skin a cat, and you learn it coming over here that you can still get from point A to B. You can still, uh, you know, develop and execute a budget, uh, learn some things, maybe take them back home and apply them. And uh, obviously, likewise here, applied some things here that I thought benefited the operation as well. So uh, it's a give and take both ways. So, you know, October 26th is, is National Day of the Deployed. Um, what would, and I'll start with you, Eddie, and let you answer this first, so you don't have to copy off Ron. Uh, sure. <laughs> Good, I right. didn't copy off the Eddie, didn't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what would you say are the top three or four reasons people deploy or volunteer to deploy? Well, I think, you know, the easy, most common one uh, is for the money. You know, a lot of them find some uh, financial gains by deploying, whether it be for, you know, working longer hours, uh, you know, any type of uh, in type foreign entitlements or, or danger hazard pay and stuff like that. So money is definitely uh, a motivator. There's, you know, there's others that may need a, a self-fulfillment out of it, a great, you know, some type of rewarding experience, personal challenge, like 
more or less was my dominant reason to come over here. Uh, you know, people get stagnant in their careers, so uh, they need a challenge. They need to get outside their box. And uh, and and then some things I've seen here too are uh, some people. You know, it's a promotion opportunity. So people people see a promotion opportunity to come over here for a year or two, whatever, get some experience in that discipline, that grade, and and are able to compete better when they go back home. So uh, many opportunities all around the board, and uh, it's just uh, you know it's just a great great thing. Ron, what would you say are the top three or four reasons? Um, I think Eddie had all of them correctly. I think money is a primary aspect of it. Um, I don't usually ask people why they chose to deploy. However, when you talk to them or they discuss it, money is um, usually within the first three things they say. I'll additionally say service to the mission. I think some people, and I know Eddie is a very keen into this, is he wants to do something bigger than himself. And I, I think I do too. I mean, um, we need to have that service to the mission because ultimately, GWAT is the number one priority for USACE, and um, we're over here finally making that commitment. I think personally, experience and professional growth is the reason why I'm here, and I think so. Therefore, I think that's an opportunity for some people to determine too. So, and Eddie mentioned promotion. I mean, I'm temporarily a GS 15. That's um, an opportunity that um, I have an opportunity to put on my resume now, and if I want to compete for future. Uh, opportunities that having a GS-15 being a district council will only be beneficial to me for my long, uh, long-term long goals. So I think that's another reason. So those are similar reasons that Eddie approached, but I think those are the reason most people get deployed. What uh, what would you guys, uh, and I'll go, I'll go back to you on this one too, Ron, what, what do you think is uh, one of the top misconceptions that people might have about deployments? Uh, I think um, we're living in tents or living in hooches and not have very nice accommodations and um, we're basically uh, not able to communicate back home. Uh, we don't live in tents. We don't live in hooches. Uh, we are deployed here. We are at off-base quarters in an apartment complex. That's very nice. Uh, um, Eddie's my roommate, so that's also nice. So. We have the opportunity to leave the installation and live downtown um, in that aspect of it. So that's very enjoyable. But I think the other aspect of it is that when I first deployed um, 21 years ago, um, the communication was very limited. If I was able to speak to my family once a week for less than 15 minutes, it would be uh, a godsend, but I wasn't able to do that. But now, uh, through the internet and through Wi-Fi calling, I can call my family anytime I want to. So I think you can, even though we're nine hours different and we're living um, in a uh, overseas in a Kuwait, um, the communication is availability now makes it very easy. Even people when they were in Afghanistan or Iraq still have that ease of comfort to basically contact and communicate with your family as much as you want to do. So I think that is a misconception is the fact that you will be out of pocket, out of reach for however long you deployed. And, excuse me. And that's just not the case. Eddie, what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, Ron hit on the big one because uh, I know my experience when I was leaving, I mean, it's all new to me. So I, I had no clue what to expect. Never done this before. And just telling my, you know, my wife and family, I'll, I'll be in touch when I can. Didn't know 
how often I could or when I could just said, don't expect immediate response. But, you know, Ron, Ron talked about it there, you know, you can, you can stay in touch with your loved ones, your family daily. You know, there's, there's free ways to do that through technology nowadays. And you don't just got to remember the time zones, right? Cause you don't want to wake them up in the middle of the night. But, uh, but probably one of the other things, uh, outside of that, that I, I would say is, you know, a lot of people, when you talk to them about your deploying, they're concerned for your safety, right? So, uh, you know, Ron talked also earlier about the process and the rigor they put you through in preparation for the deployment, the structure they got there to, you know, to arm you for situations if such happen. But, you know, for the most part, it's a, it's a pretty safe environment. You know, we're in a we're in the gateway of the Middle East, right? People like want us here. We're helping them. Uh, not to say there's not a threat. I mean, there's a threat everywhere you go. You just, you know, got to use your, 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 you know, your OPSEC. You practice it here. You practice it at home. Just always keep that in the forefront. Don't get complacent. But, you know, we forward deploy to other countries, uh, you know, locally, there may be a little more risk, but, but, but overall, uh, no concerns there, uh, you know, to prohibit someone from, you know, wanting to deploy the opportunity there. Yeah, no, whenever you go out in town, when you're, when you're deployed overseas, you know, you're always kind of looking around just to make sure that, that, uh, that you're, you're safe. And that's something that, you know, they give you with the training. Um, it's, it's pretty well drilled into pretty much everybody, you know, Hey, you need to be aware of your surroundings and situational awareness, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, uh, no, so deployments, I know, from my own experience, they often come with like 12 hour shifts or more. Um, how many, sh how many hours are you guys having to put in daily? Well, Eddie start the question since he drafted a tour of duty policy for the district. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brandon, that was my first task coming on was to revamp the tour of duty policy. So, you know, for the most part, what you see in the roadshow recruitments is 64 hour weeks, right? So yeah. that's pretty, pretty hefty schedule. It keeps you busy. Um, you know, if you do the math, you're, you're probably doing the job of a little over one and a half people, you know, if, if you're doing 64 hours a week. So, uh, there's some cost savings to that mentality being TDY over here, you know, because you're not paying two people, you know, instead of one to do one and a half, uh, you do the math, you can see some cost savings. Uh, and, and there's enough work. The work's constant. It's always there. There's always something to do. So, uh. You know, you do you do encourage some some downtime to to get people some breaks. Uh, try to you know our tour of duty typically is Sunday through Thursday is what they honor over here as a normal basic work week. So that puts our weekends Fridays and Saturdays. So a little little different there to adjust, but as today today's Thursday, right? So today is our beginning of our uh, weekend tonight when we leave. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but, uh, but it keeps you busy and, uh, and, you know, time you do that and do a little exercise, go to bed, get up and do it again. So look forward to the, my, my Friday day off so I can sleep in. So. Right. What, uh, so, uh, Ron, I saw one of your posts on Facebook. Um, well, actually, Ron, I didn't ask you what, what about you? Are you, so you're, are you putting, are you having to pull 12 hour days too? Well, yes. So when I first got here, um, the deputy commander determined my tour of duty, and they made a decision that since um, we had a lot of um, governance issues, that I'll be working 71 hours a week. So that's um, 12 hours a day, um, Sunday through Thursday, and then 11 hours 
um, on Saturday. So, so that's makes up the 71 hours. However, I usually come out here on Fridays um, and do some professional development training myself. So I'm usually out here um, most days and working uh, up to, well, on Fridays, about three to four hours. So it's just something I do. I mean, when I've been deployed in the past, it was 12 hour days easily. And, and it could be for seven days a week or a few days off here and there. So you get into the um, routine. And as Eddie mentioned, um, you get a routine as soon as possible, and then you just do the hours and do the work and uh, hopefully fulfill it in the mission. Uh, I saw one of your posts on Facebook, Ron, where you had just finished, a, I think, a run. I think it was a morning run, wasn't it? Was that a sunset or a sunrise? That was a sunrise. That was on Friday. Yeah. So, uh, right, I, yeah. The only days I get to run in the mornings because we leave um, our home um, apartment really early. I um, was a Friday morning, so it was my... Friday day off, I was running uh, on the on the coast road, which is right next to the uh, the, the, uh, the sea. Uh, yeah. And I actually took a, a picture of me outside uh, one of the places that um, we have stopped several times at the beach. So it's one of those nice places because our apartment, we had an apartment that looked right over the Gulf, um, but now we have an apartment that's approximately about two and a half blocks from the uh, Gulf, so it's very nice. So you're 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 taking advantage of that beautiful uh, that beautiful vista that, and and running along it. Are you are you doing any other uh, exercise? Have you have you found that that that's been something you've kind of gotten into more? Or actually, you have opportunities to since you don't have a lot of family opportunities to to take away your time. You can find time to basically keep in shape so yes i mean we're very fortunate that our first apartment at nasser had a very nice gym um with a lot of cardio and our current apartment has a very nice gym of cardio and weight so every night um after we get back from um, camp Arizona, um we went to work I, i'm not as a craze as eddie in his workouts eddie works out minimum two hours i usually try to get out one hour a week but um um, I'm going to get motivated because Eddie's there and he's doing it. So I need to keep up with him. So I try to keep up with him. So that's a good thing to have, but I couldn't uh, stay with Eddie. So I don't work out with Eddie. So he, he's too much of an animal. I can barely stay up with him. So <laughs> yeah. Ed, hour. Yeah. Eddie's a, definitely a workout guy. Uh, he's, he's at the gym all the time, even when he's here. Um, what, uh, Eddie, are you, are you, has that, has that, has that, uh, increased? for you or do you have more time to work out now it's when you're off yeah you know let me say this though it, it's a it's an indirect motivation you know because i'll see ron get up and go and i'm not feeling it then it just motivates me to go so it, it, it works both ways he may not know it but see him leave and go i'm like i don't feel it today but i gotta go and once you go you feel good but you know i've always uh i've always tried as you talk tried to stay in shape but uh you know, sometimes it comes and goes, uh, especially with, you know, in the COVID environment, you get slumped down in your, in your ruts. But, uh, but one of the goals I said, but, you know, coming over here was that, you know, I'm going to make a concerted effort to, to get on a structure, uh, and try to, you know, drop a few pounds just on, as a personal objective of mine. And, uh, so, you know, I focused a little bit more on what I ate, eating, eating a little more clean and, uh, cutting down on the meal portions, you know, I had a, gotten a bad habit eating at eight o'clock at night back home and 
that stuff just packs on you but regular daily exercise as ron said and uh you know couple it with some cardio and weights and you know just try to stay fit i've, I've been focusing more on my abs and i'm going to give a core my core my abs i'll give the credit to oh tony you know the infamous tony horton of uh p90x app ripper man that system works i'll just really? tell you yes sir yeah. but you got to put in the time and uh and yeah so uh, good yeah. thing about all that the, the, the good thing working 12 working out too you sleep good at night Right. So, I don't have any problems. And I'll say I've, I've dropped about 25 pounds since I've been over here. So, man, so it's been a good thing. <laughs> it's I, 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 not going to recognize him. What's that? <laughs> His wife won't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, the well, key, uh, though, Brand, the key, Brandon, is how long can I stay down when I get back? Right. And, you know, fall <laughs> back in my Maintenance, yeah. yeah. Maintenance. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I was... I, I need to check that out because you know I've got my big Lebowski belly going on. So, um, what? Uh, so you know I I didn't include this in the original set of questions I sent you. And I'm sorry, I'm going to throw it in there anyway. Um, but you know one thing I know with deployments is, and and I don't know whether you guys were were more acquaintances or friends before all this. Would you say um, you certainly got to know each other pretty well, being roommates and and. Uh, would you say that that the deployment experience and having a roommate uh, it, it, it is uh, conducive to to forming um, lifelong friendships, bonds, et cetera? Hey, I'll jump in on that, Brandon. So it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I think it was just this morning, Ron, driving in because you know yes. we spend a lot of time together. Uh, uh, we I made that comment about you know how much I enjoyed work, you know getting to know him better because you know without this opportunity you wouldn't you wouldn't be in that predicament to to get to know someone and talk about you know family work you know just what drives them and so uh, so with that yeah i left it with with ron earlier that yeah we can make lifelong you know friendships and relationships when we go back we'll know each other we'll uh you know we'll have that to cherish forever so hopefully it stays on a positive note we haven't you know got at each other too hard yet being roommates for five months but uh, we both uh, accommodated each other's and, and learned how to get along. So it's been it's been great. I actually think it's um, been very beneficial to the district uh, that, uh, well, when I first came over, I told Eddie I was deploying. And then basically a month later, he told me he was deploying too. And so therefore, I made sure and they made it his roommate. So I think um, that was very fortunate because... We have discussed things because it's uh, roughly uh, 20 to 25 minutes, kids up to a 40 minute drive to work day in, day out. And so we talk about issues. And one of the things that we talked about is how to, um, what we think are good strategies to organize the issue, uh, organize the district. And um, we have had discussed that and Eddie takes some of the ideas that I've offered to him and Eddie's given me some ideas. And we were able to implement certain things. I think overall, will have a, a better um, benefit for the district. So I think that's been a very positive um, focus in the fact that uh, we were roommates, we knew each other, so we were comfortable talking to each other before we even got here. We corresponded um, emails and everything prior to Eddie arriving here, and then we were able to communicate um, freely, and we have on the same mindset about trying to make the district better. And I think for us being roommates and driving in together, 
I think um, we have accomplished that task so far today. And I will echo Brandon that Ron did take me under his wing when he found I was coming to and, and made my experience, took a little nerve, you know, edge off the nerve because yeah, he took me under his wing. So I appreciated that. What, uh, what, what should people who are considering deploying, especially overseas, not, not just uh, domestic necessarily, but if you're thinking about going for an overseas deployment, what, what is important things that they think about? Uh, and I'll let you, I'll start with you, Eddie. Well, you know, so it's it's probably you know spending some time with your family, right? And you want to make sure you know you 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 spend good quality time with your family, and uh, you know, and are prepared to to come over here for twelve months and or whatever that deployment time frame is and. And then, uh, and then, you know, anything on the financial side, you you know, your bills paying things and make sure you got that stuff all set up because, you know, when you leave, you, you don't know what's going to happen when you go, you know, when you're gone, you know, I got elderly parents that are back home that, uh, you know, you, you don't know. So make sure you're at peace with everything you do before you volunteer to come over and, and have everything taken care of. So you have no regrets when, when it's all, when you're, when you're all said and done. Ron, I know you've got the, 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 the legal background, so certainly you're going to have some great advice. Well, I mean, I think, or in general, is that you should know why you want to be deployed and have that right reason. Because realistically, if you think it's going to be something and you're not willing to commit yourself to that, uh, it can quickly, the shiny aspect or idealistic reason that you might have shown up for deployment, can easily become dull um, because the appointment is taxing. It takes time and effort to do the job, and you got to get up each and every day to do the same thing over again, and you don't have the luxury at home. So there's a lot of things that you have to um, get yourself um, adjusted to as quickly as possible, but you have to have the right reason to do so. But more importantly, before you come over here, yes, you need to make sure that you have something um, situated. I mean, when I first deployed and I was advising people deployment, I mean, how are you going to pay your bills? Or your, um, do you have all your um, documents in order, your wills, power attorneys, and those type of things? Because literally, realistically, when I first joined the Air Force and Desert Storm um, popped up and I'm advising um, airmen to come over here, there you need to have everything done correctly. Fortunately, um, things have now allowed with um, with technology that you can manage everything from um, your um, computer. So if you have time, you have a computer, you can make pay bills and everything else. But at the same time, you need to have still something structure in place too and back in the States to making sure if there's something specifically that you have your name on, that you have some type of power attorney to allow that work to be done. So um, you can get wills and power attorneys you have on a tasker and you can go to a, a legal office um, on an installation and provide your orders and you get your wills and power attorneys if you do not previously have one however even if you don't have one um, there's a legal assistance office here and then they do wills and power attorney for deployed people so you can get documents if you need to to basically prepare yourself if something of a tragic incident may happen um, 
not a lot of people, not that occurred, but you need to have those documents prepared. Is there is there is there something you absolutely need to make sure you do before you go? I guess it's probably a redundant question. Um, is there something that that they that that a person probably needs to absolutely make sure that they're they're doing ahead of time? Um, I can't really mean absolutely. I mean mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you have a plan how to um, whatever that plan may be. I mean. If you are a single individual, how are you going to manage your household and while you're gone? If you're a married individual, what responsibilities that you were doing that now have to be given to your spouse? Um, those are the things that you have to sit down and discuss um, with your family before you deploy. Additionally, if there's things that you were doing um, with your children, making sure that they feel comfortable while you're gone, that someone else is doing those responsibilities. I mean, I think what happens is that people deploy, they want to sort of um, uh, not involve in the family relationship, but at the same time, you need to be involved in the family relationship because it's very important to have that continuity even while you're uh, halfway around the world. Eddie, from the RM perspective, is there things you're saying that, and you don't have to be specific on it, but is there certain things you see that you think, you know, there's, there's absolutely some things people need to make sure they're taken care of? Well, all that stuff, you know, on, on the RM side, it's pretty, you know, automated with changes in your pays, you know, your leaving earnings statement, all that stuff flows pretty smooth anymore with the, all things that matured over time. Um, so, you know, usually there's, you may have some delays in, in seeing some of those benefits, but they'll eventually catch up. Uh, and then, you know, working through some of the some of the, you know, the leave restoration process, which, you know, we're here we are in, in fourth quarter and, and, you know, we don't, we don't really take leave over here, you know, so you, you're into that carryover situation and reinstatement that you got to work through. And, but the processes we have are, you know, pretty well evolved that they'll, they'll take care of those things and, and get those reinstated, but it's up to you as an individual to track that, you know, you need to know when you are short paid or, or when your leaves missing and, and follow up with the, with the appropriate office and to help, you know, help resolve those. But, but like, like I said, most of it's pretty well automated and, uh, but I just encourage each employee to, you know, be, be accountable for their stuff and, and follow up and ask questions and you see something array. I would add on that aspect of it. I was thinking is that, um, as I stated in the opening, in the fact that the civilian workforce um, Camp Atterbury experience is very, very thorough now. However, there's a lot of stuff that you need to do once you get your tasker regarding your training and getting all your documents in place. I highly recommend um, if someone is going to deploy and get a tasker that they get that training done as quickly as possible. Make sure that you get your medical done because um, people get delayed coming over here because they don't have the proper medical or they have some issue with their medical. I think you need to do that as quickly as possible. They tell you you got to need to do it 30 days before you actually go to Kane. But I think you need to get that done because you're going to have to get a physical. You're going to get your eye exam potentially. You have to get your dental. And those are appointments that some people may not have had done in a long period of time, and you have to find yourself a doctor and stuff like that, because where we're in Tulsa, um, you would think to be able to go maybe down to Tinker Air Force Base of Fort Sill and get all those appointments, but um, you're not really in that system, so it's difficult to get in that system. So you need to 
prepare your medical documentation as quickly as possible. Also, um, depending on where you're going, if you uh, you might need a passport, you might need a visa. We have people who are going into Iraq and they have to have visas. So that takes time. So I think those things that you do as early on as possible to get yourself prepared is better because I think what you want to try to do between now and the time you get a task and the time you actually go to Kane before you get on a plane, you don't want to have any anxieties. You want to not have to be pushing last minute paperwork to try to get over here because that will cause you to be anxious and then you're going to get upset and everything else and not going to be a pleasant experience associated with that. So as soon as you can get those documentation in place, get all the stuff that they ask you to fill out timely, then you have time right before you deploy to spend that quality time with your family, making sure all these other issues that are going to be need to be worked while you're gone can be worked out and you don't have to worry about all the documentation necessary uh, associated with the department. But um, hey, I will, I will add this, Brandon. So, but you know, not to discourage anyone, but you know, all that stuff scripted in a, in a manual and, and people help you out with our deployment cell that, that, that educates you mm -hmm. on that process. So it, it shouldn't deter anyone from overwhelming, but it's uncommon, like Ron said, on the employee to, to jump on it and get it done and don't procrastinate. But but it's really, really scripted and what needs to be done and, and, and they encourage you to do it too, so. Yeah, I think the, uh, the military certainly has spent years and years and years developing checklists for for deployment processes. And, and, and that's a constantly updating process too, updating deployment checklist processes. So, um, so I really appreciate you all, you two taking the time to, to talk to me. I know you all have really important things going on over there. And um, otherwise, you know, You'd be doing it here so so um but what uh as as we close out i always like to leave people with this question what what have i not asked you and i'll start with you uh eddie what have i not asked you that i should have asked you so well brandon you cover a lot of good things there those are some good questions that uh you know still out there for the audience to to ponder upon but uh but i'll you know some of the things, you know, I'll just encourage others or let them know, you know, you're going to get out of this what you what you put into it. Uh, we talked a little bit about the memories and the friendships you're going to make. They're going to last. Uh, they're going to last a long time. And you want to keep those, you know, you want them positive with any deployment. You know, uh, it's all about the experience that you're going to have in, in, in being adaptable and flexible uh, in order to get along. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's going to happen. Someone's going to move your cheese, right? And, uh, you know, you either just roll with the flow, you adjust and you move on and don't let it get the better of you because, you know, you want it to be a positive experience and then little things don't, don't let them overshadow, you know, the real intent understanding of, of why you're here because, uh, you know, you're here for the bigger mission and to, and to do what you, your heart and your passion wanted you to come do. So, um, so those relationships, like, like we've talked, you're going to, you're going to cherish them forever, ever there'll, there'll be some stressful times, but, uh, you'll need to lean on each other to get through them, you know, especially as you come up on, you know, holiday seasons and, and things. So, um, but, uh, but to be fun, we've had moments of laughter and, and great, you know, experiences here that we'll remember those moments too. So, but overall, I think I think you had some good questions there, Brandon. I hope the audience enjoyed enjoyed the experiences that we've had to share with them. 
Is that a is that a book recommendation that you're given on the cheese? On the cheese, yeah. So who moved heard that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's someone uh, just simply uh, some someone just simply moves a, a chair. You know, you you can't let that take you over, man. You got to get past that, and 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 we're all in it together. You know, uh, yeah. can make or break our experience. So, exactly. Ron? <laughs> what about not asking? Uh, well, actually, I was just reiterate what Amelia said. I um, for my deployments, I um, my highly recommend. What should I do? Uh, when I get over here. Well, you need to be flexible and adaptable because everything's a fluid situation. And you, depending on the mission, you don't know what might happen. I mean, when I came over here, I thought I'd be doing a lot of contractual work, associating awarding contracts for construction projects in Afghanistan. Um, then what happened is the entire uh, mission set changed. We lost our entire Afghanistan portfolio. We had to close out all our contracts. And so that's a whole change of what you were thinking about focusing on. And if you didn't have a positive attitude, you quickly become frustrated and then basically start getting agitated and if you become negative. It's very contagious. Um, other people quickly catch that negativity and then the whole entire situation becomes um, not enjoyable. So I think what you need to do is um, be flexible and adaptable and have a positive attitude when you are deployed. And realizing the fact that not everything's going to work out, as Eddie said, according to what you thought might happen. However, if you have a positive attitude, you can get through any situation. At the same time, even though you've got to be flexible and adaptable, one thing I would highly recommend anyone who are deployed is you got to get yourself on a, on a schedule as quickly as possible because you need a set pattern. Because if not, then the fact that you're away from home and not everything is your, all your comfort you might become a little bit frayed around the edges and therefore you start getting upset and it could become a, a problem. So get yourself on a schedule as quickly as possible because by doing so, that will put you back to some type of uh, equilibrium and your balance and you can have make a positive aspect of it. But always have a good attitude, um, have a positive attitude and any situation that comes your way, well, you can make it enjoyable and then at the end of the, your deployment, you can say, hey, I've enjoyed myself. I think I've done a good job. And more importantly, I did my job for the United States government. Right. That's a great way to end it. Uh, gentlemen, thank you again for your time. Thank you for your service. Thank, thank you, you Brandon. Brandon. Appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Construction Podcast. Construction is a production of the Tulsa District Public Affairs Office. Hi everyone, this is Brandon Parrish, host of the Construction Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider liking, subscribing, or sharing it. If you have comments, questions, or even suggestions, please feel free to share them with us. We'd love your feedback.